to the sending out of the 70 apostles to preach uh, to the surrounding regions. The Lord previously, as we know, sent out 12, but in this case, He had also appointed an additional 70 apostles. And this is a testimony to how His ministry grew at the time and how there were a lot of people that were waiting to hear the message and ready to hear the message. Um, when he sends out the 70 apostles, as we read, we see that he gives them advice and guidance, which are very beneficial to us, so we'll go through a few of them today. Firstly, he seeks us to understand the scale of the work that needed to be done, how large of an effort that he was sending him to it wasn't anything easy, and then he sent them uh, with uh, guidance that they should pray that the Lord of Harvest send out servants. And so the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He likens the souls that are ready to receive the gospel as a harvest ready for, um, for collection. And so here he shows himself that he is that Lord of harvest because obviously he's the one who pulled the 70 together and he sends them out and as well as the 12 too. But he also gives them clear instructions to pray for servants uh, to labor in the effort of the apostles. So pray for servants that they may continue that work of the apostles, which is continuing till today, of course. It seems that throughout church history, that's always been a problem, right? The, the lack of servants and the lack of uh, laborers to labor in the, in, the, in the apostles. And when you read the church fathers, they went through the same thing. And today, it's the same thing as well. We have... Uh, a great need in the church for service. So if you're interested, please contact one of the servants or contact myself uh, because there's a lot of things that are being done from like the, the slides to cleaning to the Sunday school, from education to media to the website. They're being done by a handful of people and we need more and more help to do more and more things. And so if you're ready to serve, if God is calling you, please see one of us. But the service and the harvest is not only relating to the service of the believers in the church, but also to the non-believers as well, because they, that they too may uh, taste and see that the Lord is good, to call them to believe in the gospel and the true and fulfilling life that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. So Christ sent the church out to all the peoples of all the worlds. Um, it, it is a good reminder for us to broaden our sphere of care, so that we can encompass as much as we can or possibly can. Sometimes we'll find those who care for their families, right? Who care for their husband and, or wife and they care for their children. That's great. Um, some have broadened that sphere a little bit more to just outside the immediate family so they care for the extended family. You know, their uncles, their cousins, their aunts, maybe they extended that love a little bit more. Fewer still show uh, care for outside of the immediate family and show care for the community around them or their city, their local church, their neighborhood, their schools, their children's go-to. Some have maybe coached youth sports. Uh, some, so some have ex extended that care a little bit more. Maybe they do some charity work at uh, organizations um, that we know are, are active here in this church as well. Few still, fewer even, that care for or have concern for their whole country and for the whole world. But the church, the church does teach us to have that care. During the liturgy, the deacon asks us to pray. He says, pray for the safety and salvation of the world and of this city of ours and of all cities, districts, and islands. 
There's a story that by Saint Athanasius once that kind of illustrated this care. It's a really famous story. Uh, he often got in trouble because of his unrelenting and uncompromising faith. That he got in trouble once, uh, many times actually, by the emperor. But once the emperor sent soldiers to arrest him, and they were in the church, they were praying vespers, and they were doing the midnight praise, just like we do today. This was in the fourth century. And so the soldiers um, started encompassing the church. So the monks came in and they said, Abba Athanasius, we need to get you out of here. The soldiers are here with their swords and they're, they're ready to arrest you. He said, no, I'm not leaving until everyone of the church makes it out safely. So he stayed in the church until the whole, and this was the cathedral, so it was full of maybe thousands of people. And so he stayed in the church until they all left one by one to the point where the soldiers started coming in as the people were leaving. And he continued to stay, and they were begging him, we got to get you out of here. And he said, no, I'm not leaving until every last person has left the church. So the church surrounded, uh, were surrounded by the soldiers, and the soldiers were coming in the middle. And then miraculously, the, the monks finally pulled him, and he was like at the end of the line, and they, he, he got out safely without people noticing him. But it's a show that, you know, when we call him St. Athanasius the Apostolic because he had that apostolic care, that the same care that the apostles had. When, during the feeding of the five loaves and two fish, it was the apostles that asked the Lord, saying, Hey, can you send them away because we're in a deserted place here and they need to eat. They showed care for the people. And so, to extend that care is something that likens you to the saints and to the apostles. To pray and to make supplication for them is a thing common with all the saints. To consider our own, not just our own interests, but the interests of others. And this likens us to, because not just the apostles or the saints did this, but Christ himself did this when he shed his blood, not just for uh, his own country, but salvation of the whole world, even those who crucified him. So Christ teaches us, therefore, to have that apostolic care for the people, believers and non-believers alike, and to pray for laborers. It's interesting, though, as you pray for laborers, something interesting may happen. As you're praying and showing care about the service of the people and asking God to send out laborers into the field to reap, God may actually send you. And it's an interesting uh, effect of this prayer. Be willing, because the task is great and the labors are few and is a mission for not just our, our church, but for the whole world. We need to pray for the, um, good servants to enter into the church and that God will support them. We need to pray for the people, too, receiving the gospel. Uh, because the service is really relating to receiving the good news of the gospel and to allow them to believe. And we have to pray that the, that the word of God uh, finds a good fertile ground in the hearts of those who are listening. And prayer precedes all service. So no matter what service we're doing, uh, proceed it with prayer. So please pray in your daily prayers. Pray for the service and for the servants. He then tells them to go, uh, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. This sounds pretty dangerous. Um, if you can imagine, uh, you know, a lamb with a wolf, right? Uh, he, he's like a general sending out his soldiers into battle. Uh, in, but instead of a battle, he sends them out to a multitude of believers and unbelievers all over the world. He's saying here that the service will be faced with persecutions, from attacks from Satan, attacks from people as well. But he tells them, go. His first word is go. This word go is full of encouragement and 
to face the persecutions and to face the temptations and the challenges that the apostles were about to face. And we all know all of the apostles, except for one, St. John, were martyred. So they all faced it courageously and even shed their lives. But how can a lamb be victorious among a wolf? The lamb is such a gentle creature, right? If you go, if you ask any child if they've gone to a petting zoo, what do you find there? A lamb, right? You find like little sheep that the kids can pet at the, you know, at the little farms that they go to. Um, so, versus a savage beast as a wolf. You know, where's the victory in this? Where's the victory? It's found in the fact that the sheep and the lambs have shepherds, and he is the good shepherd. Through him, the sheep will be protected, and if anything is taken by the wolves, the shepherd puts, uh, puts it back and makes all things whole. He helps the sheep and delivers them from the evil of the wolf. He even tames Christ as the good shepherd, even oftentimes will go so far as to tame the wolf himself, so that the wolf itself becomes like a sheep. St. Paul was, exa- was an example of a wolf who was early in his life was a, a, a savage wolf persecuting the church. And then, of course, Christ, after encountering the good shepherd, becomes a, a lamb. This unexpected change, of course, was doubted by a lot of the apostles at the beginning. They were like, this is the same person who was a wolf. How can he be a lamb now? But it ended up being to the glory of God. Uh, when they finally saw that it was authentic, they marveled and they glorified God. We see this in other conversions as well throughout church history. Uh, we hear of St. Moses the Strong, St. Augustine, St. Mary of Egypt, and other saints um, that we hear amazing examples of wolves who became lambs. They practice all sorts of like fierce, savage sinfulness, but when they encountered the shepherd, many turned and became lambs. Why is that? Why would a savage wolf, once they encounter the shepherd, become a lamb? Because a sheep with a good shepherd is stronger than a fierce wolf with its arrogance. So a sheep with a shepherd is stronger than a wolf with his arrogance. We were made to be strong with the shepherd, not fierce or savage and weak with our arrogance as as wolves. And there are a lot of wolves in this world and of the spiritual world as well. But we stand firm with our shepherd and we know that our shepherd is able to overcome all things. But to the servants of Christ, he tells them to go out to the wolves, to labor and to suffer persecutions and hardships, but that during the midst of all of this, he would be with them. During those hardships, the shepherd is present. So the servant should show uh, courage in the face of these hardships. Comfort and consolation will always be a result of the Holy Spirit who's working side by side with the servant. And of course, God rewards the servant in the end if they courageously endure all things. And God will protect the true servants because he tells them later on in today's reading, he who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. And we say with St. Paul, if God is for us, who could be against us? And so, when when you really realize this, if somebody persecutes you because of your faith, you pray for that person because it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God and you don't even want that wrath to come upon those who are persecuting you because God is going to make all things uh, whole again 
but they must rely, the servant must rely on God himself and not on anything else. So he tells them, carry neither money bag, knapsack, or sandals, and greet no one along the road. We are not as servants to depend on our own strength or other worldly possessions and support, but on God only. So not on money and not on our possessions, not on our gifts, um, because we know that money, of course, is the root of all evil. Uh, this is the meaning of the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know that the kingdom of God has come upon you. This means that the disciples seek nothing um, from whom they preach the gospel to. Their resources, their money, it's all theirs. They only seek that they believe and have faith and repent. So not their money or their resources. So not even the dust of their city do they want. Just as they would believe that the go in the gospel of peace. That's all they care about, that they would believe in the gospel. Money limits the spread of the gospel, especially if it's the focus, and even if it's perceived to be the focus. It may not be, but if it's perceived to be the focus, sometimes that limits the gospel. So that's why we put money aside when we're preaching the, the, the good news. So we are not to be distracted in our service, because the focus is not these worldly items, but spiritual. But love of worldly items, such as money, turns us from the effect of the, the service, the effectiveness of the service. Um, and to have no distractions when we begin, we begin to travel the road of service is the meaning of greet no one along the road. We are focused, we have our eyes on the goal, and we're here to serve, even um, to the point of uh, continuing down the road and not being distracted by anything of this life. So after the apostles were commissioned and they, and they all came back and they received this guidance, they implemented it, God gave them power, of course, to work lots of miracles, and they all came back with joy. Um, so one can see that Christ did send them out, uh, but was still with them when he sent them out because they, of course, did lots of miracles. And of course, we know that they did not, these, didn't, they did not do these miracles of their own power, but with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. But God gave them power to perform miracles so that their words can carry weight and, the, and their service uh, in the preaching of the gospel. But something happened along the way. When they came back, they lost attention a little bit. And they actually rejoiced that the demons were subject to them and, were, and that they were able to work miracles. So Christ gave them a gentle rebuke. He tells them and he reminded them that don't be amazed at this. After all, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Don't be amazed at that. Yes, you will have power over the, uh, give you power to, over all the enemy, right? Scorpions and serpents and all that, you'll be able to crush their heads. And you'll be able to work miracles, even move in mountains. And you will be able to do many things that I've done, and even greater than these things that I've done here in my ministry, you will do because I will go to the Father, and the Holy Spirit will, will do these things for you. So do not rejoice in these things. God oftentimes grants us a lot of gifts to do these miracles, but we, we you know, subtly may forget that it's not our gifts, but it's God who's working with us. So some people have gifts, for example, reading, singing, public speaking, networking. They have money. They have ability to work with computers and electronics. Some even miraculous gifts. We've seen in our church, especially the healing of the sick, the prophecies, the casting out of demons, visions... Uh, seeing apparitions, things of that sort. They, they do exist. But they, can be they, they cannot be attributed to ourselves, right? And 
we shouldn't forget that these gifts have their source in God himself. We may even envy those who have certain gifts. But that's not correct, right? Because we know that it all comes from God. But those, these are the tools and not the goal. The goal is to lead ourselves and those who we serve to the gospel of Christ and to faith and to repentance. Such gifts are used for the ministry and not what gets us into heaven. We never hear that somebody, oh, this person went to heaven because he was able to move a mountain or he, he saw apparitions. This does not get one into heaven. In fact, he says that many, day, uh, many will come in the day of judgment and will unsuccessfully um, say that, hey, we, Lord, we work miracles. We did a lot of things in your, in, before the people. And then he says, depart from me. Uh, I never knew you. So miracles and doing, uh, you know, using the gifts that God gave us, that's not what gets us into heaven. The kingdom of God is at hand and it has come near you. So when we, they say that, um, the miracles help them to help the people who listened to believe that the words spoken were not of this world. So when they were accompanied by miracles, they, the words had weight. Because it's not by words only, but these words ha have heaven behind them. And so St. Paul says about this preaching, about his preaching, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So they were not mere words, but words accompanied by power and, and, um, uh, and the working of the Holy Spirit. Of course, the greatest demonstration of the Holy Spirit is the love that we show each other more than the miracles that we do among each other. Love in today's time is the greatest of all miracles. And that helps spread the gospel more than anything else, more than moving of mountains or casting out demons. If you can imagine if we were to hate and have divisions and backstabbings among ourselves and show all level of cruelty to each other, and if somebody comes and sees us doing signs and wonders, would that help them get closer to the gospel? Absolutely not. It's really through the love that captures the imagination and captures the splendor of Christianity and that's the, the first and foremost commandment. And that, of course, is a working of the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle, especially in today's time, when there's a myriad of reasons not to have love. We have love. That is the miracle. That's when we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. So the focus and reason for our joy, as Christ said, is that we are, our names are written in heaven, right? That our names are written in heaven and that um, our focus and reason for our joy is the hope that is prepared for us in heaven. Our salvation and our names are written with all the saints and all the martyrs and all the angels that we uh, have a place in heaven that he's prepared for us. So let's therefore thank God who has written our names in heaven and made us part of that heavenly family with all the saints and angels to whom we glory to God forever. Amen. We want to thank you so much for listening to St. Basil's podcast. We hope that you have gained spiritually from our remarkable speakers, and we appreciate your support towards this podcast. St. Basil American Coptic Orthodox Church is looking to purchase a home, and we would love for you to be a part of our community. We are looking to raise funds towards this novel mission, Orthodoxy in an American Context within the San Diego area. You may donate online through our website, www.stbasil.net that's www.stbasil.net or click on the link below and it will take you to our donations page 
You may also mail in your contribution at the address located on our website. We thank you for any contribution, and may our Lord Jesus Christ always bless your heart and home.